Hi, I'm Andy Ely, Senior Funeral Director for G-Seller Independent Funeral Directors, and we've been serving bereaved families since 1910. I'm sure you're all well aware there's lots of different myths, taboos and misconceptions around what happens behind the scenes within the funeral profession. So we decided to put together this series of podcasts to answer those questions and hopefully dispel those myths. So please do like, share and subscribe and send those questions, send them to liftingthelid at gseller.co.uk and we will do our absolute best to answer them for you. It genuinely is our family caring for your family. Welcome to the, the latest episode of Lifting the Lid. Um, today I'm joined with Amy again, my colleague, Hello. and a new person, Alison. How are you? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Good, good, good. Welcome to the studio. Uh, yeah, the hot seat, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about bereavement care and, and kind of the services that we offer at G Seller to, to a certain extent. So, Amy, I guess the question's to you first, mm-hmm. um, as director, driving force and so on. I mean, how and why um, did bereavement become a part of G-Seller? Why why was it so important? So we were finding, not just me and Joseph, myself and the team, um, really privileged, obviously, as we know, to look after so many families. And we were finding that after a funeral had taken place, we felt like we were saying goodbye to a family and then we then had the privilege of looking after another family um, or whether we then wouldn't come back into contact with that family until we were looking after the memorial. Um, We build really close, unique relationships with our families. We learn so much about the loved one and the family in such a short period of time. And we were finding that once we said goodbye, it didn't feel right to us um, that that was our last point of contact with the family, but also, you know, people would pop in and come and say hello because they've got that connection with a funeral director or a team member, one of the reception girls. Um, And sometimes we felt like we couldn't give them the time that they needed. And they were coming in because, like I said, we're the last point of contact, the only last person that saw their loved one, and they had a connection with us. And it dawned on us that it's coming from grief, Mm -hmm. it's loneliness, it's somebody to have a conversation with that understands what they're going through or what they have just been through. Um, and we felt like at that point we were then giving our families a bit of a disservice um, yeah. because we weren't able to give them the time because we had other commitments potentially going on or a meeting that was about to take place. And that's not right. So why should you get a level of care at this point? And then that level of care is not as high or not as good or is slightly fragmented. Like that's not the G-seller way. That's not what we're about. Um, so then myself and Joseph were looking and exploring other options and um, charities that we could possibly work with um, other other groups, bereavement groups, to see how um, we could help support some of our families. And once we'd done some exploring, we make, met some good connections, but the problem that we were then finding was then, I say turnaround time, lead time. Um, when people need help, they need help now. Yeah. They don't need help tomorrow. It takes a lot of balls and guts for someone to say, I'm not okay. Yeah, um, it does, yeah. And once somebody recognises that, rationalises that, you need help now. So when people are saying, okay, yeah, I'll put you on the waiting list and I'll speak to you in six months. I see. That could be a really problematic time for that person in that six months. Yeah. We've also known that that's ended in very sad circumstances. But then also some people have been okay waiting that time and, and everything in between. So it wasn't sitting right with us 
the G-seller, the team, myself and Joseph. So we explored other options like what can we do? How can we help our community? We've always said that we will always give back to our community. Um, and again, after doing a bit of research, our florist um, who's been on the podcast, Karen, uh, Julie yeah. Flowers. Yeah, I remember Karen. Um, she <laughs> obviously has a relationship with one of our with one of our team members, so we're all very close knit. And after a few conversations circulating around, we realised that the um, the uh, the florist supplier. Um, He's married to Alison. <laughs> right, okay. <Brilliant. laughs> so we're like, we do a full circle around the team and it brought us to it brought us to Alison. Um, and then it was mainly Joseph, wasn't it, that, that sat and spoke yeah. with you and met you for the first time. And I guess then it feeds into to you, mm-hmm. like where, yeah. what, I don't know what your first conversation was. I wasn't privy to it. We had the idea and then, <laughs> but yeah. So I, um, I knew there was an opportunity available um, at G Sellers and obviously they were thinking about um exploring you know running their own bereavement service and but not quite sure how what how this worked yeah. and what this would look like um i was already previously working um for a bereavement service at a local hospice okay so i'd been there for about five years um and i was part of a bereavement team there which was quite a big service um but i was interested in you know in 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 what g seller were possibly going to open the door to so I came along and met Joseph, and, and I suppose that's where that's where yeah. it all began, really. Yeah, it all began from there. So mm-hmm. I think I think Amy's touched on it. It's really important to keep it encompassed within G Seller. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's another service that we can offer. Because I think you're quite right in what you're saying. When when the funeral is finished, mm. to a certain degree, the funeral director finishes with that family, mm-hmm. which just doesn't seem it right. Doesn't yeah, feel right, does no, it? Yeah. Because yeah. In some, some respect, families it is right, isn't it? But then yeah, some but, it's just, yeah. and you know that, and you know that they're not okay. But then it's that thing of how do I make it okay? And we can't deliver milk to all the old mm. little Mrs. Joneses, can we? Because we know that that's the level of care that we want to do. Mm. But and it's finding that line. And and you know you're mm. you're great, aren't you? I mean, how long how long have you been a bereavement counselor now in in, in its so entirety? I've been, I've been working in bereavement for about ten years. Um, as I said, I previously worked at a local hospice, um, and before that, I was I, th- I don't know whether this is what sort of got me to this type of work i was a florist for about 20 years okay um so that was what i did that's how i met my husband funnily yeah. enough. <laughs> um, and but i think coming towards the end of that career for me um i knew i wanted to do something different i knew that i sort of you know wanted to go in another direction somewhere but being a florist, obviously, you you work with funeral flowers. You yeah. speak to families. You support that process in a very different way to you know sort of a funeral director. But obviously, you're still part of um, following something through with their wishes, what meant a lot to them regarding the flowers, and, and hopefully completing you know something that they envisioned and, and that means a lot to them at the end. So I think that's where for me the interest started in the support um and i've got a question on that yeah so coming into it mm-hmm. uh, i hope you don't mind me saying but obviously you lost mum yeah yeah did that was that ever a driver like that oh, yeah. such a close loss was yeah. that a you know I feeling think... needing support and wanting to help others I do think about that sometimes, you know, is it having a, a significant loss myself, has that's what drove me, you know, that into direction. a direction of something. And I think there definitely is a connection. I think yeah. being a florist, working with funeral flowers and, emotion, and, yeah. and, 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 and working with the family in that way, 
but then also having my own bereavement and you know sort of working that through at a time you know and it wasn't something that I ever accessed bereavement support because it was a long time ago and it wasn't really Mm. and it's more spoken about now isn't it like bereavement support yeah yeah Yeah, definitely so I think there may be a few things that led me to you know I remember having the conversation with my husband. We were driving to Scotland. We were on holiday. Kids were fast, little. They were fast asleep in the car. And I said, um, I want to change a career. And he's like, go on then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> and I says, I want to train to be a counsellor. I want to go back to school. Okay. I want to study. And I want to, you know, be a counsellor and, you know, and go into something different, but it's going to take a period of time and, you know... So I was going to ask you about training. So it's quite a transition to come from florist mm-hmm. to counsellor. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is that period? What is the training that's involved? Well, it depends on where you go. Um, I I knew while my youngest son was a baby, I, I'd got a four-year window, effectively, because I knew I was going to come out of the flowers, and before he went to school, I'd got a four-year gap of, okay. of effectively... This is my opportunity to, <laughs> yeah. to go back to school and I mean, try something new. hats off to you. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. if some people don't feel like are brave yeah. enough to, to take yeah. that plunge or that change yeah. or... So it no, was, that's quite a change. That's what I did. So I'd got a four-year window, you know, and the kids were little and I was able to do it. My husband fully supported me. He just said, yeah. do it. If you want to do it, do it. And, and that's where it led to then working at a local hospice because mm. I sort of had to volunteer there for a period of time because you have to get so many hours, you know, sort of one-to-one work before okay. it complements what you do and then it's, it's part of your, you know, your qualification. And then they offered me a job at the end of it. So, and, you know, that sort of led to yeah. where we are today and I've been with G Seller for three and a half years now. Yeah, I was just so. thinking then, I was just like, here, counting my fingers, yeah. like, 2019, yeah, so like, since 2019, yeah. You've, yeah, we, yeah, we started, yeah. we just started before, the service. you know, sort of lockdown happened, so... Yes. It was, yeah, uh, we it went was. into something brand new and developing something brand new, and then, obviously, we stumbled into, okay, this has got to look different for a period of time. So that was strange, you know, doing it, not knowing that sort of from scratch I guess yeah. from scratch and then not being able to do it how you want to do it because of all the rules and the yeah you know the lockdown rules and yeah you know, that sort of thing so, yeah not so, good timing yeah. I think it's but... worth explaining to people like just on how on the actual level of support that you give them mm-hmm. so people might just see bereavement support and think mm-hmm. okay is it a group thing is it a, is it a one-to-one yeah. so and that's something we've developed massively isn't yeah, it definitely. we kind of came in thinking what do our clients need so, how do then. we support them let's t- tell me what what do we offer in terms of so part of the, the bereavement service offers one-to-one sub- counseling support okay so myself and tracy um, our other counsellor at Sellers um, are able to provide that. Um, I also run bereavement groups. So okay. that is a group of people coming together um, who have all experienced a loss. They may be, uh, they may have experienced a different loss, um, yep. but there's, there's, there's something very powerful in coming together, all sitting together, all talking about how you're feeling. Sort of helping one another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas the one-to-one support is um one-to-one therapy it's about client and counsellor it's a completely confidential space yeah um whereas a group you know you're sitting with maybe six to eight people um and 
like a safe space to talk, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a lovely space. It's when it works, it works beautifully. When it works, I don't actually have to do a lot in that space. I'm there yeah, yeah. facilitating it, making sure everybody's been heard, making sure nobody's dictating the group. I might bring a topic into a group or yeah. an activity. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of the group is there's lovely friendships that have been made. Yeah. Um, it's like a community, isn't it's it? It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's it like is. a community. Because yeah. I remember yeah. once walking through Hinkley Town Centre mm-hmm. on a Saturday morning on the market, and myself and Joseph with the girls were walking down and, you know, we'd, we'd noticed, you know, for example, Mrs Jones and Mr Smith, and, mm-hmm. and we knew that they were bereaved people, mm-hmm. but they didn't know that each other were bereaved. Yeah. And it's this thing of, like, you know, they're probably pottering and wandering, feeling mm-hmm. very lonely, yeah. doing, you know, collecting the groceries mm-hmm. from the market sort or whatever mm-hmm. that task may mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. And actually, if only they'd Fairly known that, they'd have, that they were, you know, that there was more people yeah. that are suffering yeah. a loss... Mm-hmm. Um, with significant impact, and that they're not the only person, which is where the groups come in, aren't they? And like yeah, you say, definitely. people now have their little friendship groups, yeah. and they go down to one of our local restaurants, do, and they got, often, they I've got some sit. groups members yeah. that stay friends beyond the group. So uh, initially, for one-to-one work and group work, you're invited for up to six sessions. So okay. with the one-to-one <laughs> therapy, that will be maybe say fortnightly. Um, and that can be enough for some people. So there's a nice beginning, there's a middle and there's an end to the work. Um, okay. Within that space, they may have spoke about some really, really emotional, challenging things. You also get, you know, they may speak to you about something that they've never told anybody. Obviously, it's bereavement focused. That's what it's about. Yeah. Naturally, in any therapy, you go down sort of different avenues a little bit. But we always bring it back to it, it is bereavement focused. Um but some people, if we feel it's appropriate and needed, will go beyond the six sessions. Um, okay. And we sort of gauge that if, if more so, work's required. It was going to be one of my questions. I mean, what's the sort of time frame involved? I mean, is there a certain amount of time before we contact the bereaved mm-hmm. after the funeral service? And, and then how long yeah. the sessions normally... I mean, how long is a session? So a, a ses- the sessions are up to an hour. OK. Um, but it all starts initially with us meeting first at the, an assessment. And that allows me to gather some information from the client. It allows us to meet. It allows me to see where they are emotional. It allows me a little bit more of an insight into their mental health. And then from there, um, we decide on what support would be best. Um, there's no pressure. They can go away and think about it. Yeah. Or they can. we can agree to work together. Um, and then from there, sort of, we agree times and days and most people tend to choose on one-to-one therapy fortnightly. When you were when you were working towards an end, um, we may stagger it out to three weekly or monthly. Yeah. And that's all about how did that feel? How did that feel having that sort of little gap? You know, you know, did you all the sort of the self-care uh, yeah, and the managing techniques that we may have explored? You know, did it work? How did that feel? Um, but also with that, so when we do um, reach out to a family, um, so we always send. Um, information don't we mm-hmm. yeah. six weeks after yeah. a funeral's taking place as initial yeah. contact to say you know we have these services mm. but what's really key there is the fact that somebody may need help care mm. now mm-hmm. some people may not be in that grief cycle until a year later yeah. or two yeah. years yeah. later and three you know it's yeah. we get Definitely. varying periods yeah. time so periods don't we as amy said a letter goes out from me eight weeks <clears throat> after the funeral just to remind them so just up to that point them. They've had information about the bereavement service, but yeah. in the chaos of where they are at that time, it's yeah. not something that may have been, you know, And I know remembered. we can refer as the yeah. funeral director yeah. involved yeah. in the moment of the funeral. Yeah. Sometimes we get 
Yeah, people that are struggling. So we, yeah. I know we can refer yeah, to you. So, so we can from our perspective, support, it's great yeah. to have that support there. Yeah, yeah, Who can access this? Um, we are only available to the families that we look after. We look yeah. after. So within that family, it can be friends, it can be family members. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of available to the families that we've looked after at G Sellers. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when you you've mentioned as an assessment. Yes. So we yeah. sit. You you contact. Uh, the family, they come in to see you. So what does an assessment entail? What is an assessment? So assessment is, there's a number of things that go into an assessment. Initially, it's about us meeting. Um, as Amy said you know, earlier, for some people to say, I need help, is a massive thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, some people... And coming back into the environment yes. as well yeah. is a yeah. big thing yeah. that we've Definitely. found, haven't we? Coming back into the to building. F- yeah, yeah. is, is like a, a milestone thing. in itself. Definitely. Um, yeah. So it allows us to meet. It allows the person that's accessing the sport to sort of see where the work would begin. If, if somebody wants to see a group room I'll sh- and, and the, the room is available, I'll go, we'll go up to the Barsby Suite and we'll have a look at a group room. And obviously the assessment takes place in the one-to-one room mm-hmm. where the therapy would take place in. So they sort of get to see what that looks like. Um, I gather, as I said you know, before, information as to where they are, how they're feeling. You know, like <laughs> a lot of one-to-one space and the assessment space it can be very emotional so it's mm-hmm. it's it we do it at the client's pace um yeah. the assessment usually takes about an hour but okay. with an assessment you always give a little bit of time well, i always give a little bit of time extra just in case yeah. they need that little bit more time after the assessment um we go through how we would work together i go through how i work um we we look at the confidentiality agreement that's put in place between okay. counsellor and client. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's just it's just a space of, you know, sort of getting the information, seeing that with the appropriate service, I think that's, that's quite a big one because some people can come that have other presenting issues that may need to explore that before they need to explore this. Okay. And that's why yeah. we need the right people on board, you yeah. know, because as funeral directors, yeah. we don't have that skill set that Alison and Tracy have, you know, you guys have had the training, you've seen the signs and symptoms and you can say actually, yeah, okay, I can see that you're Mm. suffering, but right now this Mm. isn't the right thing for you because we need to do X, Y, and Z. Definitely, definitely. And from that, our services have grown, haven't they, over the the years. So Mm. we've started... You know, just with you, just with mm-hmm. Alison, just with you, and then it's grown to Tracy, yeah, hasn't it? Tracy. And now we're going into schools and businesses, yeah. um, and the services of yeah. And you and Alison have got uh, you and Alison, you and Tracy <laughs> have got each other to, yeah, to lean on and brilliant. support each other. Because also, if we have more than one member of a family access the support, then there's two of us that can manage that. There's Tracy that could see one member, and I could see another member. So that sort of you know, sort of works really well. You so know. the confidentiality piece that you mentioned 100%. there, absolutely. So, I mean, you don't even talk to us about no. the families that perhaps no. we've looked no. after. Yeah. You've worked elsewhere um, mm-hmm. in this capacity. I mean, how do we differ? How does G-Seller differ too? Well, obviously, my previous job was a, a, in, as a, in a, the bereavement service, so you can't necessarily compare it to another bereavement service in a sense. Um, I suppose waiting time, you know, we, we have a much shorter waiting times. But we don't really other, have a waiting time. No, no, no. We, we can generally see somebody for an assessment, depending on what our diaries are like, within two to three weeks sort of thing. So so it's, it, you know, compared... And, it, and it's a shame that other 
other agencies have such big waiting lists, but sort of that's that's how a lot of places are at the moment. Um, but I think what makes us different in a sense for bereavement is we are we're bereavement specialists in a way, yeah. as in the whole of G sellers. And the therapy is is focused on their bereavement. Um, and as I said, naturally in therapy, you can go down different avenues. But we always we always need to bring it back to what we're here for, you know, um, to support their grief and their loss. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's something quite unique for a funeral director yeah. business to be mm-hmm. able to, to offer this. Mm-hmm. And of course, you give that level of care to families. I'm just going to, i got one sort of final question. It always intrigues me. What about yourself? How, I mean, you're soaking up an awful lot mm-hmm. of other people's grief, mm-hmm. just like we are. Yeah. Um, but perhaps in some respects more so, because you've got all, all those other little points that you're mm-hmm. talking, that present. How do you handle that? Um, well, obviously training, that's a huge part of, um, you know, sort of what we do and the, the way, the skills that you learn to not fully absorb, you know, everything. But you could take it all really personally, yeah, every single, yeah, you know, every yeah, single thing, couldn't you? Yeah. Um, but the work is confidential, so you also can't talk to anybody yeah, about exactly. it. Um, so great peer support with Tracy, you know. Um, okay. I think that's really, really valuable because, you know, you can pick up off each other if it's been a challenging sort of day. Um, I also have regular supervision. That's once a month, and that's with a qualified counsellor and supervisor. Okay. So that is something that spoke about um, within the client-counsellor contract, that if I am taking something to supervision from a, a session, um, confidentiality is, is, is always kept um, you know, key in, in that area as well. So it would be a client has brought, we explored it this way. But also there's a space for me to go and, you know, talk about if something has affected yeah. me because mm-hmm. um, we're only human and yeah. some clients do trigger, you know, your own stuff. Um, and there's also my own personal counselling beyond that, okay. which you, you, need, you need to check into if you, you know, if, if, if there's a need for that as and when sort of thing so so it's sort of a layered there's there's this there's the peer support with tracy the other counselor supervision and your own private counseling yeah. um so so yeah you, yeah you you try your best i'd say you won't go get it right all the time but i suppose you guys can experience that as well but yeah, uh, yeah. i think you've been forward, a great help to like a lot of the teams yeah. <laughs> i mentioned you on the last podcast and we were talking about self-care and i was like well if it wasn't for alice yeah. i don't think i'd have known yeah. what my, what mine actually was like she's probing like yeah. what are you doing to look after yourself yeah. <laughs> i do harp on a lot about self-care and i wouldn't say i'm always perfect myself but you, we try yeah. yeah we try yeah definitely yeah. Amy, Alison, thank you very much. No, thank you. Thanks, good. Yeah, no, thank really you. good insight again. It's interesting the piece about kind of a counsellor for a counsellor in some respects. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, we're we're no different from anyone else. We yeah. still we you know we we still need that support as well. So so yeah yeah, but you just. You just try and take your own advice sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Easier said than done sometimes, eh? <laughs> Thank you both. Um, I think I think we can safely say it's a, a great insight um, and great introduction to Alison as well. Mm. So any questions at all, please, please do send them to liftingthelid at gseller.co.uk. Um, and, and yeah, like, share and subscribe. And, and certainly we'll see you next time. Mm.